All right, well, we're in John chapter 1 today. And I'm, I'm again, a little self-conscious of the, uh, the noise coming out of the speakers, at least in my head. I don't know about you, but uh, I might get a little louder, so we can turn that down just a skosh. Um, we're in John 1. Today we're starting a series called uh, The Heart, or I'm sorry, the, the, You Will Be My Witnesses. It's, it's out of Acts chapter 1. Verse 8, when um, Jesus tells us, say, the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you and, and you're going to receive power and you will be my witnesses everywhere to the uttermost parts of the earth, starting in Jerusalem, going to Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. You will be my witnesses. And, and we're leading up into Easter just, just with an evangelism-themed series to kind of encourage you and, and help, you, help you and I both uh, get some excitement for reaching out to people around us. Uh, so we're going to be looking at reasons in the next four weeks, reasons that we have uh, to speak and tools to help us have Christ-centered conversations and help people hear and see and know the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, today's message title is The Heart of a Witness. We're going to start there. Uh, we're going to look at the heart of a witness because I, I really believe, uh, and this is something that's kind of a, maybe a pet peeve of mine I've, I've gotten uh, into over the years. Uh, I, I love having evangelism conferences. I love reading books about evangelism. I love finding tools on evangelism and, and trying to be a, a really sharp speaker, a really sharp engager, and a really sharp converser about the gospel, right? And those things are good. And sometimes uh, you'll come to me and say, I, I really just need to know how to speak to somebody about the gospel. And, and down deep, here's what I would tell you. As a friend, as a pastor, here's what I tell you. You don't need just more tools of how to speak the gospel. You need to have a heart that loves the gospel of Jesus Christ. You need to have a heart that says, I know the gospel. I know the one who the gospel is about, and he knows me. He's changed everything. And because of that, I can be motivated to share that. The gospel message is what you and I received through faith in Jesus Christ. If you didn't, you don't have it. But if you receive that, if you have that gift, of the, or the, the gift of the gospel of Jesus Christ in you through faith, then you know the gospel. And it's something that we should hold on to dearly and, and be able to understand why the gospel is important and how it was important to us. And that will be how it's important to someone else. Now, certainly there will be tools along the way. And I'm not going to cut you short. I'll give you some tools uh, along our way of how to share, maybe th questions to ask. But it really comes down to having a heart for the gospel. Because a lot of you are like, well, I, I'm not like you, Brandon, or I'm not like Billy Graham. I get it. I, I totally get that. <clears throat> we are all gifted in different ways. But we are all still responsible and called to share the gospel. So you don't have to be a professor of sharing the gospel. You don't have to be a Billy Graham to share the gospel. Each one of us is called, and Jesus has equipped each one of us to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we're going to look at that today. Uh, we're looking at actually the, the uh, Apostle Andrew. He doesn't get much airtime, and, uh, and I think that's good because as we look at Paul or we look at Peter, we're like, we're kind of intimidated, right? We're like, oh man, these guys, are, these guys are big shots. James and John, these are like people that are huge in the faith. We can never match them. We can never be like them, right? Well, let's just, maybe, let's just be like Andrew then. Let's just settle for being like Andrew. So today we're going to look at his story and just kind of what he saw and what he experienced and what he did with his faith. So I'm going to pray for us. We'll get into our text. We'll read John 1, 29 through 42, and then we'll, we'll talk about that a little more. All right, you ready? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your, your great love for us. We thank you for the mercy that you have shown us through Jesus Christ, that he came to be the substitute for us on a cross where we deserve to die. God, our sins have separated us from him, and God, he has, he has made a way through his death and resurrection for us to be made right with the Father again by his grace through our faith in him and in Christ alone where we experience forgiveness 
and find hope and joy because of him. We thank you for that. God, help us hold dearly on to that gospel message. Let it transform us every day, Lord, so that we'll be excited to share it in a, in a way that's contagious to the world around us. God, today as we look at your word, we ask that you would open our hearts, that you would open our minds to be receptive, that, God, we would see you in all your glory, and, God, you would motivate us by the indwelling of your spirit, and you would empower us by the indwelling of your spirit to be people serious about the gospel, serious enough to speak up, to not be ashamed. We thank you, we praise you, and we ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, John chapter 1, we'll start in verse 29, read through 42. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I told you about. After me comes a man who ranks ahead of me because he existed before me. I didn't know him, but I came baptizing with water so he might be revealed to Israel. And John testified, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and he rested on him. I didn't know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water told me, the one you see the Spirit descending on and resting on, he is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. The next day, John was standing with two of his disciples, and when he looked and saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him, and uh, he heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. When Jesus turned and noticed them following him, he asked them, what are you looking for? They said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come and you will see, he replied. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him uh, that next day. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard John and followed him. He first found his own brother, Simon, and told him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated the Christ. And he brought Simon to Jesus. When Jesus saw him, he said, You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. Well, let's, let's look a little more deeply into this as we look at the heart of of a witness. There's three areas I kind of want to see today, and I hope you can see it in your, your own life and, and put it to practice in your own life and heart as well. <coughs> Number one is this. The heart of a witness is a knowledgeable heart. The heart of a witness is a knowledgeable heart. I, I want us to see that, that, first of all, Andrew was one of the two disciples that was with John the Baptist, right? So John the Baptizer is there. He's, he's preaching. He's teaching. He's proclaiming. He's, he's baptizing people, and, and Andrew and another disciple is there with him. That one's never named. And in fact, Andrew is, is what we would say is the first disciple to come and follow Jesus. We see that in this passage today. So what, what did Andrew experience? What did he know which was so important? Let's go back through that passage. I want to break down a few things that we can see. If you start in verse 29. The next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, so, so Andrew and the other disciple are there, and they're, they're watching. They're a part of this. And what, what is said? He says, look. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So Andrew's ears perk up. What, wait, what? That's, that's the Messiah? That's the one that God has talked about? That's the Messiah that has been prophesied about uh, through all of the Old Testament? This is the one who takes away the sin of the world? This is the one I told you about. Again, teaching, John teaching. And he says this about him. After me, what do he say about him? Comes a man who ranks ahead of me because he existed before me. We see Andrew and this other disciple hearing from John that, that, that Jesus is preeminent. 
Right? If you remember your, your uh, chrono chrono chronology, what is it? chronological order? Chronology. If you remember the order here, John the baptizer was born to Elizabeth, who was pregnant before Mary. Jesus was born after John the baptizer, right? But what does he say here? He existed before me. This is talking about the preeminence of Christ, that, that God the Son existed preeminently with the Father and the Spirit from eternity past. This is what Andrew is hearing and knowing. He goes on, he says, I didn't, I didn't know him, but I, but I came baptizing with water so that he might be revealed to Israel. John testified, I saw the Spirit of God right, descending uh, from heaven like a dove, and it rested on him. There's power there. There's God's favor there. Right? I didn't know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water told me, the one you see the Spirit descending on and resting on, he is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. That This is the one who's coming in the power of God. And this is what Andrew is hearing and seeing. And then he goes on, he says, I have seen and I have testified that this is the Son of God. Not only has John seen him and, and known this is about Jesus, he knows that he is the Son of God, and he's testifying to that effect, that effect. And Andrew is hearing that and seeing that, experiencing that. Okay, the next day, again, two of his disciples there. This is Andrew and another disciple. And again, he says, look, the Lamb of God, pointing him out again. The two disciples heard. They were hearing this, right? They hear him say this, and they followed Jesus. So they acted on what they knew, right? Faith, that's what faith is. You act on what you've been moved by and what you've, what you've heard and what you've understood. And they acted in faith and they followed Jesus. Well, Jesus turned and noticed him, them following him. He asked, what are you looking for? Like, wh like, what do you guys want? What do you want here? They said, they said to him, Rabbi. Right? They, here, here's, this is, a, again, acting in faith, saying, Rabbi, teacher, you, we want to call you Rabbi. We want to follow you. We want to learn from you. And they said, where are you staying Saying, where are you going? Where are you heading? We, we want to be there. You are the Messiah. Come and see, he said. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day. They stayed with him that day. And it was about four in the afternoon. Man, I, I've always wondered when, when, this is, when this shows up here. You have Andrew and the other, other disciple following Jesus. They go with him. And, and maybe, let's just say it's the three of them chatting and, and talking. What in the world did they talk about? I often wonder that. I don't think it was the weather. I don't think it was news. I think it was about him, the Messiah. I think Jesus was saying, this is, this is who I am. If you really want to follow me, this is the counting of the cost that needs to happen now. And here's why I, I think it was something profound, because the very next verse, look what Andrew does. Look what Ordinary Andrew, his response. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two that had heard and followed him. He first found his own brother Simon and told him, we have found the Messiah which is translated the Christ, and he brought Simon to Jesus. He had the attitude, said, you wouldn't believe it. You have to see, and you have to know. You have to, you have to come experience and know the Savior, Jesus Christ. That's ordinary Andrew. He's not Peter. He's not John or James. He's not Paul. He's, he's, not, he's not one of the, the, the higher-up ones in the church. You, you rarely ever hear him. You ever see a sermon about him or a sermon that he preached ever? In Scripture, what we see is Andrew being faithful to respond in faith to the Messiah and to go tell his brother Peter, say, hey, hey Simon, come over here. You need, to, you need to see the Messiah. And then look at the, what happens with, with Peter here. Then Jesus saw him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. Right? And later on we find out you're, you're going to be the rock on which 
we build the church. I'm going to build my church on you, Peter. Interesting relationship there, right? Andrew, Andrew responds in faith, in the, in, in the glory of the Messiah right there. And Peter gets some accolade. Peter gets some position. But Andrew all the while is, hey, I, I just, I, this is the Messiah. I know him. I see him. I've experienced him. I want you to as well. What a great heart he has, a knowledgeable heart about who the Messiah is. He, he coupled this with everything he knew about the Old Testament, right, and, and prophecy, and, and the picture was clear about who Jesus was. So here's my question for you and I. Is that picture clear to us? Is the picture of who Jesus Christ is clear to you? Or is it a little murky? Andrew knew, Andrew saw, it was clear, and there was nowhere else he wanted to go or be except with Jesus. I think sometimes you and I treat Jesus as, as a part of our life or, or maybe a, a, a crutch that, that really helps us on Sunday mornings and we go out and it kind of feels good and maybe it gives us enough for the rest of the week. And I, I know that's part of that's true. We come and we get filled up and excited and we can go out, but we should be all about Jesus all the time. Letting his spirit be what guides us and, and directs us and what fills us and what motivates us and what moves us. Is the picture clear for you of who he is? Who is he, right? This is God's covenant of love made personal and complete in Jesus Christ. And we see this in John chapter 3 and this is, Jesus had talked to Nicodemus about being born again. And this is what John writes in John chapter 3. He says, God loved the world in this way. What way? That he gave his, only, his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. That's a famous verse, right? John three sixteen. Right? But this is the clear picture that God, the God of the universe, the God that's in covenant love with his people, pursuing his people, we, that we see shadows of. We just got done with, done with or stopped a series on shadows of Christ, right? We saw pictures and images and glimmers and types of Christ all through the Old Testament. And now what we see is God's covenant love being presented to us real, in person, and complete in Jesus Christ the Son. And he presents the Son, his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him would not perish but would have everlasting life. God did not send his son in the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Anyone who believes in him is not condemned, but anyone who does not believe is already condemned because he has not believed in the name of the one and only son of God. Now listen, this is, this is so key. Seeing the big picture, seeing the clear picture of Jesus means that I put my faith and trust in Christ to forgive me completely. That in Christ there is now no more condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Right? And so it, this, this religion, this idea of faith, coming, coming to church or, or trying to do good, and it's not a clear picture. It's like, I, I just want to try my best. I want to occupy a seat, and maybe God will find favor, and I'm doing enough good to, to get by. That is a muddy view of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is, that is a view that will give you no knowledge of faith. The knowledge of faith has to be, it was Jesus once and for all, and he took care, took care of everything, that, that through faith in Christ, I and you, you and me, can have faith in Christ, he will forgive us from everything. That he who has done all the work necessary. There's not another ounce of it that I need to do. My responsibility is believe. My responsibility is faith in Christ. And, and gaining a knowledge that says I'm secure in him, I'm forgiven in him, I stand in him, and now I will walk and live by faith. Not by fear. Not by I hope this will happen. But hope because he has already done it. But this is the judgment. The light has come into the world. 
to make this clear. And people love darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. You know, if we don't have a knowledge of the gospel, it may be because we are still in our own sin, that we are still enjoying our own sin, our own way. We want to get our own way. So there's this conflict that's always happening, and the light is there, and you're like, man, it's too bright. No, the light wants to show you the clear picture of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But we resist it. For everyone who does evil hates the light and avoids it, so that his deeds may not be exposed. But anyone who lives by the truth comes to the light, so that his works may be shown as accomplished by God. You see that? That when you come to the light, your, your works are, are seen as accomplished by you? No, they're accomplished by God. God had accomplished his covenant through Jesus. And Andrew had entrusted himself to Christ. And, and, and we ought to entrust ourselves to Christ. We must. He had not only heard, but he had seen and experienced the Messiah and the forgiveness that he offered. He knew him. He knew him. And his response was similar to that of Peter and John when, when after their arrest and, and then when they were questioned in Acts. They were questioned about uh, whose name they were speaking in. They were told not to speak in the name of Christ anymore, and, and they were let go. And, and, or before they were let go, though, here was their response. Based on this heart of knowledge of knowing who Christ is, knowing how magnificent Christ is, their response was this in Acts chapter 4, beginning in verse 19. They answered this, Whether it is right in the sight of God for us to listen to you rather than God, you decide. Like, you want us to listen to God or you, right? But he, there's what they say. He goes on. For we, as for us, we are unable to stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. They won't shut up. They can't. Why? Because they have this heart of knowledge, this, this, this heart that says, I know the gospel. I know the Savior. He is everything. And, and there's, there's nothing that you can do to shut me up about it. The only thing you can do is kill me. I don't think you and I have that kind of relationship with our friends and family. I think we shut up way too much. Oh, I don't want to, I don't want to offend. It's offensive to offer someone life-saving Jesus? Sometimes, right, because they're in sin and they want to stay there. It's not, you, don't have to, you don't have to drag them to heaven, though. Your responsibility and my responsibility in evangelism is to share the gospel, to let them know of the glories of Christ. You don't have to convert them. Jesus does that. His Spirit does that. You and I have the privilege, out of the overflow of our heart, out of knowing Christ, to share Christ with the world. To not stop speaking about Him. We, we must speak about Him. How do we do that? Why do we do that? Going back to Acts 1.8. You're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit indwells you, right? And, and that is for Christians. That is upon salvation. When, when, we, when we are... Uh, called, called by God, and we, when the grace of God I impacts our life, and, and we ex express faith in Jesus Christ as our Savior, He seals us with the promised Holy Spirit. He indwells us with His Spirit. And, and He's promised that you and I will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon us. And we will be then His witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. The Word must go out. And, and sometimes I think we think, oh, well, as long as I'm doing it to the uttermost parts of the earth, I'm okay, right? I'm, I'm sending money to missions, and so the gospel's going out. I'm, I'm an evangelist. That's not an evangelist. An evangelist is an ordinary Andrew who can't shut up, who can't stop from talking and sharing about who the Messiah is because the Messiah is everything to him. When you know him, 
And when you are known by him, he says, you will be my witnesses. It comes from a knowledgeable heart, a place where you know the gospel from the inside out. Number two, the next heart of a witness that we see in Andrew is a selfless heart. A selfless heart. Why can we be selfless? It's because we're magnetized to Jesus. We're drawn to Jesus. We're, we're attached to Jesus, and we just want to love and serve him. We don't want to make it about us. There's no one else, and there's nowhere else that we would rather turn. And when we have him, we don't need special attention or to be first. Andrew knew that. Andrew didn't care about being first. First John, or not first John, John chapter 1, going back to that passage we read a minute ago. Remember, he had had a conversation with Jesus, and then what? He first found his own brother, Simon, and told him, we found the Messiah. Right? He couldn't help but share. He's like, there, there's, he knew, knowledgeable heart, he knew the gospel. He knew the power of the gospel, the forgiveness that was in Jesus Christ. And he wanted his brother to know. And he went and found Simon and brought him and said, we found the Messiah. And he brought Simon to Jesus. And, and then, look at the selflessness here, right, that happens. He has to, he has to start developing some thick skin or, or just have a totally selfless attitude. Because Jesus, right away, he sees Peter. He says, you are Simon, son of John, and you will be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. Andrew was ordinary. He was an ordinary guy, but he had a great faith. He wasn't a superstar. He was just faithful. He wasn't a superstar. He was just faithful. He was okay being second, and he was okay being last. In fact, in the accounts that we see of, of seeing the, uh, the list of the apostles, when you see this list, he is typically referred to as Peter's brother. Imagine that happening. Probably happened all his life, right? Oh, this is Peter. This is his brother. I mean, I mean if you're the firstborn, maybe you get it, right? But Peter, like, so in Matthew 10, this is how they're introduced, right? The, these were the names of the 12 apostles. First, Simon, who is called Peter, oh, and Andrew, his brother. Right? And really, it is. It's more of like a second thought. It's like, no, Peter's first, right? And then Luke 2, the same, or Luke 6, he says the same thing. Simon, who was called Peter, and then Andrew, his brother. It's, it's just, he's like an afterthought. I, I don't know about you, but, but so I think it's okay being an afterthought. I, I would ra- you know, I'd rather sometimes just be like, let me just be second or third or last. I don't need to be first. Right? I know that God has gifted different people in different ways. I remember at Simpson University when I was down there in, in a class, I, 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 was, I knew I was a leader. I could lead. I just wanted to shut up and keep to my business and, and put in my time, right? And we're in class one day, and we're sitting there all in a group, and the, the instructor says, hey, you guys divide in a group of five. You're over here in a group of five. And I was just silent as could be. I, I'm just waiting for someone in my group. And, like, and, and, and he's like, make somebody a leader in your group. And I'm just quiet. And everyone, Brandon, you, you're going to be the leader of the group. I, don't, I just would prefer to be an afterthought sometimes. And so I want to encourage you because I, I think we're all kind of in that silent, don't make me a leader, don't make me a leader, don't make me say something. Don't, you don't want to be that, right? You don't want to be that. It's okay to be ordinary Andrew. It's okay to be second or last. But in that place of second or last, you still have the hope of Christ within you, and, and you can't help but speak. And you know the Messiah, and you're going you're to tell people about him. You're going to interact. You don't have to be an evangelist in front of a group of people. But man, you sit in a cubicle, or you sit, you sit, you're on a construction crew, or a road crew, or you're, whatever you might be. You're in a family, right? And, and you have neighbors. There's a relationship there, and, and in that relationship, that hope that you have, the knowledge the knowledgeable heart you have should be coupled with this, this selfless heart that says, listen, I don't need to be first and I don't need to be embarrassed either. 
That's what selfless is, by the way. I don't need to be first, and I don't care if I'm embarrassed. I can, I can speak. I can say something. Because if you care, if you and I care about being embarrassed, that really means we care about what people think of us more than we ought to. And we, we're elevating ourselves to, I should be, my ego should be up here. But all the while you're saying, oh, I don't want to be first. I don't want to be in charge. I don't want to be a leader. But I don't want to be embarrassed. So I, w- I want to have, el- no, just who cares? Be second, be, first, be last. And, and, and let that humility be what drives the message of the gospel forward. Christ spoke of this too, of this position, this heart that we have to have. And it was interesting because in Matthew 20, um, it says the mother of Zebedee's sons, this is, this is John and James' mom, right, comes to uh, Jesus. How embarrassing. I mean, it's, poor guys. She comes to Jesus and she says this, she knelt down and asked him for something. What do you want, he asked. Promise, she said to him, this is saying this to Jesus, that these two sons of mine can sit one at your right and one at your left in the kingdom. Oh, man, that is tough, right? I, I think about this. I, I'm, I'm coaching baseball again this year, and I've done that in the past, right? And when I was coached, a coach of baseball in the past, there have been times where I've, I've had parents come up and say what? Hey, make sure my kid what? Plays first base, or he, make, make sure my kid is first uh, or a pitcher, or he's he's cleanup hitter. I, it's like they want to coach. They, they, think, they think this. I'm like, you know what? Uh, let, let me be the coach. And I'll, I'll try to be the best coach I can for your kids, right? Fortunately, this, this year I'm coaching T-ball. I don't think that's going to be a real big, <laughs> it's not going to be a real big thing, right? Everybody gets to hit. Everybody gets to have a good time, a good turn. So I don't think parents are going to bug me. But, but the mom comes up and says, hey, listen, put, make these sons. Put, put them in, coach. They're going to be one on your right, one on your left. Jesus answered, you don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I am able to drink? I mean, do you really want first place? Or are you okay being second or last? Are you able to drink that cup? We, we are able, they said. So they're right there with ma- ma- mama speaking for them, right? Probably a milk coming out. I don't know, whatever. <laughs> we're, we're, we are able, they said. He, said. he told them, you will indeed drink my cup, but to sit at my right and left is not mine to give. Instead, it is for those for, those for whom it has been prepared by my Father. When the ten disciples heard this, so the ten others heard this, they became indignant with the brothers like, what are you doing, right? Are you allowing your mom to do this? Jesus called them over, and, and here's what he said. You know, he gives an example. He, he says, this is how we ought to live in view of the gospel. You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. Like, they are over them. They are, they are bosses. Uh, and those in high positions act as tyrants over them. Right? There's enough pushy people. There's enough people taking advantage of others. There's enough people wanting to be first. He says, it must not be like that among you. I think Andrew heard this and took it to heart. I think he understood. He's like, that's what I wanted anyway. It must not be like this among you. On the contrary, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first among you must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. You see, here's the deal. Ego will have no place in a witness's life witnessing for Jesus Christ. Ego will have no place. Ego saying, I know it all, I'm the best, or ego that says, uh, I'm, I'm too scared, I'm nervous, I'm embarrassed. Do you get, and I've said this before, do you get that pride works in two directions? Pride that says, look how amazing I am. I'm God's gift to the world. That's pride, right? Get over yourself, you're gonna fall. The other way pride works is this. I'm too ashamed, I'm too embarrassed. I can't do this. 
meaning that you're saying, I'm not good enough. I'll never, I'll never be good enough. And, and, and part of that is true, right? When we come to know Christ, we know that we will never be good enough because of our sin. But what, who is good enough? Jesus is good enough. And when we embrace Christ, we are made righteous through faith in him. And it's not about having to be good enough anymore. It is for you and I to be who we are in Jesus Christ and let him guide us. No more are we saying, I, I'm not good enough. Why? Because the Spirit of God lives in you and he gives you power to be what he wants you and has called you to be. And it's about making much of him. You, you don't have to have the, or you, you, don't, you don't have the words of eternal life, right? Jesus does. Thank, thank God someone does, right? You and I don't have to have the words of eternal life. He has them. In fact, Peter said that in John 6. Jesus is like, hey, I'm the, I'm the body, I'm the drink. You have to eat my flesh, drink my blood. A lot of people left. They're like, I don't like this. Talk. And Jesus says, are you going to leave too? And Peter answered in verse 68 of chapter 6. He says, Lord, to whom will we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God, right? A knowledgeable heart has filled them with a selfless heart and said, there's nowhere else to go. I'm not going to promote me. I'm going to promote you wherever I go. Where else can I go? The question here is, is finding a selfless heart is this. Uh, for you and I, what, whose status are you putting your trust in? If you want to be an evangelist who, who is just obedient to share the gospel out of a knowledgeable and selfless heart, You've got to ask that question. I've got to ask that. Whose status are you putting your trust in? Yours? Someone else's about you? Your parents, right? Grandparents, brother, sister, a, a teacher? Whose status are you putting your trust in? Is it yours or is it his? It needs to be his. Jesus' status, because his is the only one that will last. His is the only one that can endure it's Christ's status. So we've seen we have to have a knowledgeable heart. We've seen we have to have a selfless heart, being okay being called so-and-so's brother, being second or last. Finally, number three, the heart of a witness is an optimistic heart. It's an optimistic heart. And, and listen, I, I don't think we can get this and live this unless we have the knowledgeable and selfless heart. Because if we don't have the knowledge, knowledgeable heart, or if we have the knowledgeable heart, but we're kind of selfish and prideful and like I'm too embarrassed heart, there will be no optimism in us for others around us. We have to get over ourselves. We have to be able to step forward in faith and say, you know what? Jesus is everything, and he's everything to me, so I, I know he's everything for everybody else. Let me go out and share him. Let me share the hope that is within me. I, I want to stop for just a minute. I, I, people oftentimes will come and say, how do I, how do I have that conversation with people? How do I talk to them about that? And, and it's, it's not, yes, there's some hows we need to know maybe and talk about. But it's really just, you just open your mouth and speak. Well, how, do I, how do I bring it up? And, and I would ask this question. How do you bring up any other conversation? It, just, you start sharing something. And, and listen, if you and I have a knowledgeable heart about Christ and the impact the gospel has made on my life, and if you and I have a selfless heart who, that's motivated but not by my own position or status, but that's motivated by making much of Christ, I'm gonna, and, I, and I live and walk by faith, I'm going to see him move in my life in all kinds of ways. And, and when I see 
my kids move in my life or my wife move in my life or you guys move in my life or if I, my baseball team moves in my life or, or, the, or the dinner I prepared moves in my life, I, I'm so eager to share it. I can't help, I can't shut up about my kids, right? You guys love it when I talk about my kids. I mean, I can't help but talk about my kids. I love them. I lo- I, I lo- they're amazing. And I'm sure there's times where the guy at the dump is like, just be quiet. Like, you don't need to talk about your kids anymore. Right? Like, can you just go? Right? But it's, I want to I share that. Why? Because it's real. And it's my story. And it's his story. And it's personal. We've come to this place that says everything else in life is personal and good and okay to share. Oh, but Jesus is off limits. Well, why? Why is he off limits? He's the best thing that's ever happened to me. And if you put your faith in Christ, he's the best thing that's ever happened to you too. And, and, and if your friends or your neighbors or your family put their faith in Christ, he's going to be the best thing that ever happened to them too. Share it. Share it. O- open your mouth. And, and you can start. Here's a tool for you. One, I'll give you one tool today. Hey, man, you'll never believe what happened this week. Do you mind if I share? Write it down. I'll, go ahead. I'll wait. Hey, you'll never believe what happened this week. Do you mind if I share? Or hey, you'll never believe what happened this week. That's how we start off most of these conversations, right? That's how we start off a lot of our life conversations. And when we want to tell somebody something, we want to get their attention. Hey, and there's been times I just don't even know how to start the conversation. Hey, I'd really like to tell you something. Can, you, can, I, can I tell you something? Can I bend your ear for a minute? I want to tell you about Jesus and faith in Christ. And you'll get looks or whatever. Who cares? It's not about ego. It's to be selfless. It's not about you. It's about him. It's being made much of. Don't worry about being embarrassed. Share. We shouldn't be embarrassed about the Messiah who, who gave his life on a cross. Like, do you see that? Like, he died for us. He shed his blood for us. He, he didn't die because he deserved it. He died because I deserved it. I, I, I should long and desire to speak of that, to share that with people so they would know him. So we go into this third area. We, we want to have, have an optimistic heart. This, this, this heart that says, God can do anything. Turn with me to John 6. Let me keep your ribbon here if you want. Well, no, we won't be back in John 1. Go to John 6. I want to look at verses 1 through 9. This optimistic heart. We're going to see Andrew here. In verse 1 it says, After this, Jesus crossed the Sea of Galilee, and a huge crowd uh, was following him because they saw the signs that he was performing by healing the sick. Right? They're, hey, I want to see more of this. Jesus went up on a mountain and he sat down there with his disciples. Now the Passover, a Jewish festival, was near. So when Jesus looked up and noticed a huge crowd coming toward him, he asked Philip, where will we buy bread so these people can eat? He asked this to test him for he himself knew what he was going to do. Philip answered, 200 denarii worth of bread wouldn't be enough for, uh, for each of them to have even a little. Right? So setting the stage, Jesus is going to feed a bunch of people, right? And, and, and Philip's like, we need more money. Well, I mean, this is, I don't even know if I can find that much bread, right? It, there's a doubt going on there. Andrew, here, look at verse 8. One of his disciples, Andrew. So here's Andrew, optimistic Andrew. Ordinary Andrew, but he's optimistic. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, right? There it is again, right? Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there's a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish. Uh, but, what are, uh, but what are they for so many? Now, uh, let's, let's talk about this. 
I, I think we see that, like, well, what are they for so many? I think we say he's doubting himself. He's doubting his faith. He's talking in the group of disciples, right? He's ordinary Andrew. He's kind of backseat guy, but he's optimistic. I don't think there's any lack of faith here. I don't think Andrew thinks that, that Jesus can't do this at all. I think he's just trying to save face to not sound silly or stupid around the other disciples. He's like, so, so Jesus is like, how are we going to feed all these guys? And, and Philip's like, there's no way. There's not enough money around. We can't, we can't do it. And Andrew's like, hey, this, this boy has a Lunchable. Oh, but, but I, don't, I don't know how it's going to feed so many. <laughs> is that optimistic or not? He knew Jesus. He'd seen Jesus. He'd seen him in action. But th- this was nothing for the Messiah. This was small potatoes. A- Andrew's like, hey, let's just use the fishes and loaves right here. This will be a piece of cake for you, Jesus, because you're everything. You see the optimistic heart? And see, when we talk about evangelism, we've we got to come to that place that says, Jesus can change even your neighbor. Jesus can do that miracle that, 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 that he can speak to them. He can draw them. He can stir in their heart. Jesus is big enough for that, which means you don't have to be. Philip didn't have to logistically figure out how to get the money, how to contact the store owners, how to find enough bread within distance that it's not going to be bad or gone. Who cares about logistics? This is Jesus. Jesus doesn't work within human logistics. He works with his own divine logistics, right? And he takes care of everything. So Andrew had this optimistic heart. He's like, hey, Jesus, there's some fishes and loaves right there. We see this later on because this is, this is the gospel that's going out to not only Jews but to Greeks as well. I mean, it's going out there. And this optimism, this expansive heart that he has for people and knowing that Jesus can do it is seen in John 12. Some Greeks were among those who went to worship at the festival. So they came to Philip. Again, Philip, who's like, I don't know if this logistically works. I'm not sure if I can you know, cross all the T's and dot all the I's. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and requested of him, Sir, we want to see Jesus. What, would Philip, what should Philip do? Hey, we want to see Jesus. So what can Philip do? Take them to Jesus, right? But Andrew was the optimistic one. So Philip, right? So, sir, take us to Jesus. So Philip, he went and told Andrew. And Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. That's an optimism. Andrew's like, yeah, bring him to Jesus. Everyone needs Jesus. Jesus is for everybody. He can do it. I, I'm, he's, he had the optimism in his heart. He knew he could do it. I, I want that optimism for me. I want that optimism for you. I think you, you think like, oh, God, God, can never save this person. You know what? Somebody said that about you one day too. Someone said that about you. No, God, God can know. Oh, man, they're going to have a hard heart. That's, that's going to have to be a miracle. Guess what? Every salvation is a miracle. Every person who comes to faith in Jesus Christ is a miracle of God and His Spirit. It's a miracle. God's about miracles. Be optimistic about that. God can do the miracle. And listen, I know that you've seen it happen. I know you've experienced it, you've heard it, you've watched it. You've seen God do those miracles, not only in your life, but in the lives of people around you. I look out here right now, and I can see you, and I, I, in my heart, I just, there's story after story after story after story after story after story after, uh, of just miracles. Miracles of what God has done. Don't be pessimistic. Don't be like, oh, God, God can't do it. Look in the mirror. Look in the mirror and say, look what God did. He can do it for my neighbor. He can do it for my, my spouse. He can do it for my kids. He can do it for my friends. He can do it for my coworkers. He can do it for anybody. He's for everybody. And, don't just, don't just, and then don't just take your, your friend to, to someone that's like Andrew. 
Hey, hey, my, I have a, no, take him to Jesus. You take him to the cross. You take him to Jesus. You let him trust in Jesus. You let him rest in Jesus. That's the optimistic heart. Why? Because we know there's power. There's knowledge, right? We have a knowledgeable heart. We know there's power in the gospel. We have a selfless heart. It says, I don't care about being embarrassed. I want to make much of him. And so we have an optimistic heart. And it's like what Paul said in Romans 1. He says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Why? Because it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, first for the Jew and then also for the Greek. What did Paul know? There is power in the name of Jesus, that Jesus is about miracles, and we can be optimistic about the gospel and the power in the gospel. And he says, for in it, in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. There is a right, and this is, this is the crux. Your, your p- friends, your family, the people you, we're talking about now that don't know Christ are not going to be able to stand before God Almighty righteous. They will, they will stand in their own sin. For those of us who have put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, he has exchanged our filthy rags for his righteousness. He has imputed his righteousness upon us. He's like, hey, here's my righteous robe. Let's wrap this around you to cover you up. And now you're made righteous and whole. Not because you're good, not because you, you did it, because he did it. And you had faith in him. Paul says, listen, the gospel, the power of the gospel is that people can be made righteous. Not, not earn their righteousness. They can be made righteous through faith in Jesus Christ. And he says, just as it is written, the, the righteous will live by faith. So when you, you and I are made righteous, guess what we will do? We will live by faith. We'll live with an optimism that the, the gospel has power. It is the power of God into salvation. The question is this, do you believe it? Do you believe it? Or is it still not clear to you? Do you believe it? Or are you still wanting to not be embarrassed? Which means you're embarrassed about Jesus instead. Do you believe it? If you do, then live it. Live and walk by faith. The righteous will live by faith in the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that gospel will be contagious. So what can we do today? I, I, I want to leave this with some, some application. I taught on this for Wednesday night out of the book of Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 through 6. I won't teach on it today. You can go look at that later on. But I'll, I'll read the passage. This is a prayer. I, I want you to pray. And, and listen, in a few minutes, I'm going to pray for us, and we're going to sing more songs out of a response to the word. And there's going to be a time of prayer where you can, you can stop and just pray and just ask God for this. As we sing these songs, they should be songs that empower you and embolden you with the news of the gospel message of Jesus Christ. And it should increase optimism. It should increase the, the thought that Jesus can do anything he wants to do. But here's what Paul says in Colossians chapter 4. He says, devote yourselves to prayer. Staying alert with thanksgiving. So remember, remember what you know. Remember where you've come from. Remember what he saved you from. And be thankful for that. And go to prayer. Devote yourself to prayer. At the same time, he says, pray also for us that God might open a door to us for the word. To speak the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains so that I may make it known as I should. That prayer should be for you and I as well, that, that God would open those doors and that we would see those doors and we would seize those opportunities. He goes on, he says, act wisely towards outsiders, making the most of the time. That idea of redeeming the time, making the most of the time, it's a business tra- transaction. On, on Wednesday night, I mentioned this, that it's like going to a flea market. I, I love going to a flea market. I love going to a yard sale, right? Or I love finding a deal somewhere. And if it's something I know that our family needs or our, our household needs, 
I keep my eye out, and I keep my eye out, and I know what it's worth, and I know what I'm willing to pay. And you know what I do as soon as I see it? I snatch it up. I don't even hesitate. Right? When I find it and I see that deal, I, I grab it. That's exactly what he's talking about here. When you see that opportunity, you seize it like a hot deal that you find on, on the marketplace or on, on a yard sale or a flea market. You grab it. You, you redeem that time. So we, we take advantage of those opportunities to share those doors that are open, to make known the mystery of the gospel. It says then, but it says here's how we do it. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you should answer each person. Graciously, compassionately, seasoned with salt. It, it's that going back to, man, do you mind if I tell you what happened this week? I've, I've got really good news. And that's what it should be, really good news to share with the world. Jesus is good news. And you and I should pray for boldness to speak the mystery of the gospel that we have believed and to make every moment count for the gospel. Just speak up. Amen. Would you stand with me as we close in prayer and, and enter into some more worship time? Father, it is, it is our desire to, to love you. It is our desire to be known by you and to know you fully, Lord. And, and God, as, as we do, as we know the depths from which you've rescued us, the sin and despair, God, that separated us from you, we look to the cross and, God, we know that you have made, you have made a way. We thank you that through faith in Christ, we can be forgiven, we can be made whole. God, help us to know that. Help that knowledge to build up in us uh, God, a selfless heart that says, God, it's, it, we've got everything in Christ. We don't need an ego. God, we don't need to, to be first. We can be last. We don't need to be embarrassed. But God, we have a hope to share. So God, help, help us to have that hope well up inside to an optimism that says, God, you can do anything. You did anything with me. You can do anything with, with fish and, and, and loaves to feed thousands. God, we trust that with you, anything is possible. Let us live like that and walk by faith, not being ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.